What up, what up, what up? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Um, can I do the intro this time? Oh, you want to do it this time? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. All right. So, hello, everyone. <laughs> but um, boom This is Across the Intersection podcast. You may continue, AJ. All right. Welcome. Oh. Some of people's one time. Uh, this is across greetings the and salutations. Uh, you can ingest our wonderful podcast as always on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening to the smooth sounds of my voice uh, on iTunes, please go ahead and give us five stars. Five stars. Five stars. That's the Quiet Storm version. Quiet five stars. Hit us up on social media as well. Um, across this uh, on Twitter, um, across this one uh, on the gram, and across the intersection on Facebook. I'm Divinimus on all platforms D I V E N O M O U S. And uh, I'm at E to the V to the. Yeah, that's my okay. That's my Twitter handle. Did you change it or you just left yeah, off? Yeah, I changed it. But, oh, okay. but you know, I just wanted to do that because some people call me Eva and some people call me Eve, so I I wanted to take that last E off. Ah, anyway, E to the V to the if you want to follow nice. me on Twitter. And let's see what Avery has to say this yeah, week. Yeah, what 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 is it this week, Avery? By the way, everybody, Avery's calling in. He's actually in Wakanda right now, y'all. He's <laughs> he's on location. <laughs> No, I'm, in, I'm in Ragnarok. Oh, okay. He's in Ragnarok. Yeah. You you can follow uh, Avery at the dark web dot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, y'all joke around. It's cool with me. It's cool with me, man. You know what I mean? Mm. I do the odds and on the social media stuff. I mean, I I uh, not really interested in the the, the dopamine hits of having my uh, you know. But that's a recent. Like that's a recent occurrence, right, Adrian? Uh, just right, Avery. Adrian. Avery. Uh, recent occurrence? Yeah. I mean, I go back and forth. I go back and forth, but now I'm just, like, at a point, you know, being the age in which I am now, just, like, really focused on um, some things in which that I'm focused on. I'm just, you know, more interested in reading. Um, you know, I use the web. I'm, you know, I, lot of, I watch a lot of uh, documentaries, and I, I read a lot of articles and whatnot, but as far as, like, just sharing every little bit of my life or peering into the uh, lives of others, uh, just to kind of pass time, uh, it's just not really what my current interest is. All right, so we're gonna stop messing with Avery, y'all. This is this is the last week we go. He's joined Dan in the in the I'm not on social media crew. But one thing that's interesting that I come across is not that I don't experience this temptation as well, but like at my workplace and almost every place I go, people are walking around. Uh, looking at their phones. It's almost like when we have dead air or dead space where we're not doing something else, we'll look at the phones. And when you look at people's phones, if you happen to notice, they're on social media. And sometimes people, and this has been going on for a while, but it's just, you know, in the context of this conversation, it's like, that's what people automatically defer to. I mean, like, I know I'm the type of person, I can just look at it and put it down and keep it moving, but I know that's not the norm, people just sit there for hours and hours and, like Avery said, get that dopamine rush. Yeah, well, you know, it's not just that. It's also, like, the itch of having to constantly go back. And, you know, um, I don't think very few people are above uh, 
above the designs of uh, how these uh, how these pieces of technology are put together. I mean, I mm-hmm. sent this article, How Technology Hijacks People's Minds. I'm a magician and Google design ethicist. This guy named Tristan Harris wrote about it. He was on uh, 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 60 Minutes. And, um, you know, like uh, there's this idea of perceived choice that these apps give you, but they're designed. They're designed for a majority of the population to adopt them and to um, soak up as much time out of your day as you uh, or as humanly possible. That's just what it is. It's actually designed to do exactly that with um, with with really no regard to to how it's going to um, affect the users. That and that is why that's why many of these uh, many of these many of these people. Like uh, like Tim Cook, like Steve Jobs, who you know he passed away now, but um, they don't let their they don't let their, their uh, Bill Gates another example. They don't let their children, in the case of Tim Cook, who has a nephew, uh, they don't let their children actually use iPads, iPhones, cell phones. They limit their use, you know, all all of that stuff. So when those particular age. When those platform architects are sitting around the boardroom table, they're saying, "How can we get people addicted to this?" Basically, how yeah, can they we? Yeah, they say how they, how, how they can get you addicted yeah. to it, not their children. Yeah, of course, but of yeah, course. That is absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. Oh because yeah, no, I, I'm I'm in full agreement. Yeah, and it goes it goes back to the whole snap conversation we were having at the, in, the, in the previous yeah. uh, or in the other podcast is about you know how much time. You know, with, I mean, at this point, they're, com- they're competing with you doing anything, not just another app, yep. because they all just, you know, want your time. So anyway, and yep. they, and they, and you know, I'm going, I'm going on and on and on. But I mean, they throttle like they, they, they throttle, they throttle uh, notifications. So because they know if they, if, if they wait, if, if they program the app to wait a little while, they know that you, you're going to be, you're, you're going to wonder well, what's going on. And then they throw out it, and then they show you like eight, nine notifications at a time. They give you like a burst of uh, um, a, a feeling of uh, like, oh, newness. Now like, I've noticed that. On? I've noticed yeah. that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so for everybody listening, um, except when you're listening to our podcast, <laughs> um, please, I mean, like I know from time to time, like it happened this morning, like I'll put down my phone and go, like walk away. Like I'll go to the other room. I'll go do other things. So, I mean. Listen, people, don't don't let technology hold you captive. If you know, if it's something else you don't get from this show besides reading and loving God, don't let technology hold you captive. But just like Avery said, it's designed to hold you captive. And you know, if people are held captive, it's because that's what it's designed to do. And I'm not saying that people aren't uh, to blame for you know falling for it, but that's what it's designed to do. So that's really interesting when you actually go to restaurants and families are supposed to be having dinner together and you see everyone looking at their phones you know it's just it's something that we know instinctively is wrong that's why you know some groups groups get together and then they have a little section of the of the table where everybody just puts their phone down you know but you have to be you know you have to be proactive and and that's the thing it requires proactivity i mean like like any system it's wicked i mean at its core it's wicked i mean you know you can go to the root of any system. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I might get a little Bible-y, but there's a term in the Bible that refers to Satan as the Cosmo Crater, the, the ruler of this world. Um, and that's, you know, because at the core of any system, at the core of any system is wickedness and the, the core, you know, as much as technology can do, 
And, you know, it can do a lot. You know, it keeps us connected. It lets us research. You know, it, it lets us, you know, have at the at our fingertips information that previous generations would have had to have gone to lengths to get. So, you know, th- there are tremendous amounts of benefit, but we must realize that at its core, the people who are creating this technology, you know, are under the auspices of a wicked system. And so because the system is wicked, there there are devious aspects of it, like keeping you hooked in, like reprogramming your brain, like changing the way in which you view the culture, the way you view society and the way you view the world. So it's just very important. You know, that like Eve and Avery have both said, technology is designed to keep you hooked in. So you have to go on the offensive. But I think the reason that it was designed to keep you hooked in is because because it's on the bedrock of capitalism. So one thing that those of us. Well, yeah, exactly. But but it's but the, the fact that you said which is wicked goes against flies in the face of what. A lot of contemporary, at least Western Christianity says a lot of people will snatch that uh, verse out of context. A man who doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And, you know, making it seem like capitalism is divine in at its root. (laughs) You know, everything that you do, like you need to work, 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 work so that you can deserve to eat so that you can deserve to be a part of a community. You know, but the thing is, is that if at its root the issue wasn't capitalism, which requires everybody to generate as much currency as possible to even breathe good air, which costs money, or to even uh, drink water that isn't tainted, which costs money. Everything costs money, and that forces you out into uh, working for someone in order to generate that money, even though you're spending most of your time working for someone to come back and have the comforts of home and comforts of the things that you paid for just to go back out to work and it puts you in that cycle. Well, the reason that there's so much aggression with uh, technology and technology firms for eyes and for attention is to generate, you know, whether it's false or real, generate that sense of of, uh, of monetary uh, strength so that the investors and whoever else supports that particular organization will keep coming back and so the cycle continues. So it's not just technology for technology's sake that, uh, is, that has wickedness or wicked elements to it, um, but it's based on a system that requires people to be machines and keep on generating money until the day they die. So... We want y'all to please listen to our podcast. So use your technology to listen to across the intersection, but everything else is wicked. No, I'm just <laughs> so, but with with that being said, I think that's a good segue into what we, you know, want to definitely chit chat about today. And it, you know, one of the things in which technology does um, is change the way that we have started to view the culture, right? View the world and view things in general, right? And so last week we, you know, had a chat about. Uh, Mr. William Graham. Um, Billy Graham had passed away last week, and so, you know, we had a chance to talk about his death and just sort of give a quick cursory overview. Um, But I sort of revisited some things this week, and so I was like, you know what? I want to jump back into Billy Graham just a little bit. Um, This may not be everyone's cup of tea, so we're not going to, you know, highlight the the crusades per se. Um, But what what we wanted to chit-chat about today was... um, Comparing and contrasting how Billy Graham, for the majority of his you know time doing his thing, how he functioned very differently than what you're seeing from his oldest son, Franklin, who sort of took the keys to the car, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago from his pops because his, his dad, um, Billy, had Parkinson's. 
And so he started to fade from public view. Um, and so Franklin kind of came to the forefront. Um, as many of you know, Billy Graham was born in the early part of the 20th century, um, 1918 to be exact. And, you know, he's a big time preacher and evangelist. But um, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, he tried to remain politically neutral. I know some people will fault him because he um, he was friendly to both Republican and Democratic presidents. And so people um, one of the things that people used to fault him is um, he was friendly with Richard Nixon, you know. And so they say, well, how, but he's like, listen, I don't you know, his point of view was I can be friendly and deal with any president, any leader, you know, Democrat or Republican, conservative or liberal. Um, he tried to, you know, of course he's a you know, fallen man, but he tried his best to remain politically neutral. From his perspective, the gospel is paramount, so I don't want to alienate anybody. I want to be in a position to to minister or, you know, at least bring the biblical worldview to whoever I'm talking to. Right. Um, and bringing it all the way to 9-11, he actually gave um, a sermon at 9-11 um, at, I think it was the uh, cathedral in D.C. I can't remember where it was. Shoot. I should have wrote that down, but it was right after 9-11, and he was very specific in his um, sermon to highlight the dangers of evil, but he did not, and I want to reiterate this a couple of times, he did not use that as an opportunity to specifically call out Muslims or Islam when everybody was doing that. He just said there's evil in the world, people are wicked, you know, and went uh, again, remaining neutral where everybody else is saying, oh, Muslims are the devil, you know, Islam's the devil, even preachers. Billy Graham didn't use that as an opportunity to, you know, continue with the Islamophobia, which again spoke to the way he handled business, right? So... I was looking up some stuff on Billy Graham, and this I found very interesting. Two things that I found very interesting. And A, jump in, you know, if you um, feel any particular kind of way about this. That, you know, we talked about Billy Graham's relationship with MLK last week. And so something I found out from digging up some stuff was that he actually invited Martin Luther King to give an invocation at uh, 1957 um, crusade that he did in New York City. Didn't know that. That was new to me. Um so he and MLK actually had a more, he, they had a more personal relationship as opposed to, pub, he tried to steer clear of what MLK was doing publicly, but apparently privately they had interaction, they had a, you know, a relationship. It's now, important to note, by the way, that around that time MLK was still a divisive figure, not just right, across exactly. the American community or in the white community, but in the black community, just like the Black Panthers and people in the, um, in the black power movement. Uh, closer to the end of MLK's life, had a problem with him. Uh, <laughs> he was the young person, you know, a decade or so earlier, where the where the older people were saying, "No, you're getting too much in his face. You know, this is embarrassing. We've all, you know, we've always put our heads down and gotten our rights inch by inch. Right. What are you doing?" And so, you know, during this time, it's interesting to know that he uh, they had a private relationship, in part likely because of how divisive um, MLK was. And the other thing that I um, found just from doing a little bit of research on Billy, not too extensive, but just, oh, it was the National Cathedral. I did write it down. Thank goodness. The Washington National Cathedral um, is that in 1979, he was actually invited by Jerry Falwell Sr. 
to join the moral majority. When Jerry Falwell Sr. founded the moral majority, the you know religious right um, organization to start their culture wars, because this goes back to the 70s, people. Yeah, These, we know people yeah, wild out in yeah, the 70s. Exactly. People think that this stuff just started, you know, 10 years ago with the religious right. This has been going on for two generations now. In 1979, Billy Graham refused the invitation to join Jerry Falwell Sr. and the moral majority in their cult. Again, I found that tremendous because this just speaks to Billy Graham's, you know, focus to remain neutral. Well, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry. I actually do have something to say briefly about the whole Richard Nixon thing. Richard Nixon and Billy Graham, I'm not sure people really, um, and I mean, you know, I'm learning too, but uh, Richard Nixon was really like, uh, I mean, <laughs> like, I guess all presidents, Richard Nixon in particular did a lot of bad things, um, <laughs> to not put only it as president, but also as vice president, um, and he presided over this, uh, he presided over the, well, a lot of stuff, but one thing that I can think of recently is just fresh in my mind, is the, uh, is the, um, the, 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 um, upheaval, upheaval of uh, the Guatemalan, the, the Guatemalans in, in, in Guatemala, spelled G U A T E L, um, G P E M E L A, Guatemala, or actually M A L A. So, like, we say Guatemala, but, you know, Guatemala. Anyway, uh, with the United Food Company now, I think we know that as Chiquita, Chiquita Banana, but um, the United food company working with um, a, uh, uh, a PR consultant named Edward Benet uh, and also the United States government in, uh, in, in Guatemala uh, because the United Fruit Company, going back to capitalism, going back to corporation, mm-hmm. uh, the United Fruit Company, uh, uh, they exported a lot of bananas from Guatemala and they, tr- they treated the people very badly, which is not surprising. And so out of the people arose uh, someone who, who uh, challenged uh, the United Fruit Company and uh, wanted, to, uh, wanted to provide a more equal distribution of land to the, um, to the local citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the United Fruit Company had concern about that, and they contacted this gentleman by the name of Edward Bernays and his, 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 his PR uh, firm. He was Scott Edward Bernays was the uh, the nephew of Sigmund Freud, and he's the founder of the term. Oh, excuse me, he coined the term public relations and propaganda. The father of that. Anyway, um, this is going on. I think this happened in the fifties. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the exact date, but you get the, the, the time frame. Anyway, anyway, um, United Food Company got in touch with the Edward Bernays guy. Edward Bernays got was in there with the United States. The United States then started to. Uh, plant stories about how uh, uh, Guatemala was going to be an outpost for communism. Guatemala had no ties to Russia, no ties to communism, but that's what they did. They implanted that into the into uh, the United States uh, uh, people, um, the citizens. And so, of course, citizens were like, you know, we were for freedom, we were for democracy, democracy but not for uh, communism. And so that helped to uh, the United States then funded some other some other uh, paper paper leaders 
Nixon thing to take the place of that other leader that arose naturally. Was this when and Nixon was still in Congress? He, this was when Nixon was the vice president. And so okay. Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon came down with a photo op and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that you are for democracy and against, you know, uh, Guatemala's against communism and all that stuff. When they had nothing to do with communi communism, all the while the United States Company stayed in business. So, and they didn't stay... So anyway, that's Richard Nixon. So you bring up, um, you bring up Billy Graham and uh, uh, Richard Nixon. That 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 does that doesn't that 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 does concern me. But it just shows me, it shows me that these um, I mean, you know, these these politicians, man, these politicians, they they don't, you know, I mean, they're bought and sold by the time yeah. they get into those positions and. Um, you know, that is probably one of the main reasons why he didn't want to be a part of politics. Um, he probably felt like he'd be more effective out of the limelight when you can actually deal with people's hearts a little bit more clearly. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. I think that it was to his benefit as well as, you know, his his the the movement in, in which he was involved in, that he remained politically neutral. I think as a... I guess it's probably just something about American culture that big time preachers probably have to, you know, meet with, you know, these presidents or whatever to look at to to be seen as, you know, spiritual advisors or, or whatever. But I know that's just one of the things that, that I saw consistently come up when you do a little bit of research on Billy Graham. People kind of frowned upon the fact that he would meet with presidents like Nixon. But his whole point was he can meet with any president. You know, he, he doesn't have to agree with their ideology, um, but he can still meet with them and be civil, which I thought, you know, well, again. Into that, into that mindset. Now that I'm, you know, now that I have a uh, a more uh, a better understanding of uh, how things work and how institutions work and how this country works and how this world government works, um, I actually understand that. Uh, position probably a lot better than I did in the past, and you know they, to, to 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 contextualize it, you know we got the the, the uh, Trump Trump in the office right now, and you know you have like a lot of these uh, not trying to derail the conversation. You have a lot of these athletes that um, try to speak out um, against the president, and then you have like the uh, some athletes that win their championships turn down and don't go to, to the White House. Um, and the reasons in which that they tend to use is that, you know, they don't think the person is either early it comes down to, like, identification. Right. And um, they feel like it's going to hurt uh, their brand. But they say, they say, like, oh, uh, or it'll just be personal, like, oh, I, well, I don't like the guy. And that, and, and, and as a how system works, I don't think that that is a good enough reason. Um to say, you know, to, to not go because the system is bigger than any one person sitting in any one seat. Yeah. There's a lot you could learn from going. It's not just about the photo op. Mm. Um, but, you know, for some, for, for people who don't, who can't think on those levels, it, it will only be about the photo op. So, yeah. It's, it, it's, it seems like that's the difference between uh, Billy Graham and some of those athletes. I think Billy Graham saw it as an office. He's like, it's an office. I'm going to go, you know, for the, for the balance of my life, I'm going to go and meet with whoever happens to occupy that chair. But it's about that. It's about impacting whoever sits in that chair. 
uh, as opposed to I like this one and I don't like that one. Well, because think about it. He can go he can go and not necessarily agree with them. Like you can go not looking for a handout. He's not like, going to agree with, a, I mean, and that's the interesting thing. He didn't agree with 100%, just like any of us, 100% of anything that that person did. And of course, when you, when you start panning out from this earth, uh, as Avery does often, and look at this government, this world government is, or American government is part of a larger system, then it's really an office. It's not about, and in fact, the, the question becomes, is that person who sits in that chair, you know, um, a, a person who is, is, is all about what their personal convictions are, or are they um, being influenced? So now com- let's compare this to his son, Franklin, because one of the points that I noted in the article, and I, and I know Eve caught it as well, was in the article, they, they make it a point to note that um, Billy Graham was not in the house a lot. And so the lion's share of the child rearing was placed upon his wife, Ruth. And, you know, I don't I don't like the way that it's worded in the article, because what they say is he was about his. Huh? They only mentioned her once. But anyway, but the the way in which it's worded, you could kind of read between the lines, Um, because the 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 way that that the couple of sentences are worded, it says that like uh, he was about his father's business. And I was like, what? Like. How could not, you know, how could not... Which article are you talking about? The political article. Okay. Um, it says, you know, and I want to read it. I, I, I want to make sure that I capture it correctly so that I'm not paraphrased. So it says, uh, his determination was to be about his father's business. And this meant that he left almost all the parenting of his five children to his wife, Ruth. I didn't like the way that was worded. So that, because that, that denotes that my father's business, Heavenly Father, capital F, does not include the rearing of my children. Um, If there was anything to sort of have a fault about it, it's that. Like, I would go to that before, you know, people want to jump to the political stuff and it's like, you know what, who cares? I really don't care either. If I was Billy Graham, I probably wouldn't care either. Um, But I would jump to something more along these lines to say, hey, your father's business, again, capital F, father's business, includes, if not, you know, what I would say majority of it should be being a figure, being prominent, being impactful in the lives of your children, as opposed to leaving that um, to your wife, which then I think speaks to this, you know, when we are, you know, comparing and contrasting him and his son, Franklin, the lack of an imprint of his standards, right, of his morals, of his ideals, of his ideology, that lack of imprint on his son, I think, can be directly correlated to the fact that in those impressionable years, you're not there to imprint it. It's so it's he's either having to a develop his own, listen to other sources, hear from his mother, you know what I'm saying, and kind of piecemeal an ideology together, which I think leads us to some of the reasons why he's such a stark now he is a different person so he's not going to be an he's exact. a different person franklin grant's a different person and he um has a lot of different variables um that exist he came during came up during a different time uh, there and he's a you know, there are just a lot of things besides the father's rearing however those of us you know who had strong parents know that the parents imprint is is critical and one of the examples that you just gave earlier speaks to that you mentioned that uh, Franklin Graham uh, was approached by Jerry Falwell Sr. And 
I could see Radio how Billy, Billy was I'm, approached. I'm sorry, about. Billy Graham. I apologize. Was was approached by Jerry Falwell Sr. and I could see how a Christian, you know, without of course knowing having the benefit of future understanding of Jerry Falwell uh, would understand why a moral majority, why an organization, why a conservative coalition would be developed, especially after the late sixties, early seventies, where uh, you know some people would say that the moral um, compass of America went berserk. And so, you know, as Christians, we have to take a stand. The whole idea, um, is that we need to take a stand and have, you know, bring quote unquote back the biblical, uh, mandate of, of this city on a hill called America and all of the things that all the platitudes that they mentioned. Um, it took wisdom for Billy Graham to say, no, I'm not going to become a part of that. Because in that context, it made sense that Christian was, Christians would raise up and say, wait a second, we need to take our country back from, from, in terms of its moral stance or lack thereof. And the country is falling off in that sense. But, you know, but, but Billy Graham did not, did not uh, uh, get involved in it, whereas Franklin Graham is all over that type of thing. You know? And so it's, it's interesting just the difference in the way that they approach things. And yeah, I do think that it's possible uh, that if the imprint were stronger on Franklin Graham or, yeah, but you know, this is, this is all, it's easy to say. I mean, no parent is perfect. Uh, men or people who have the type of platform that Billy Graham has make this mistake all the time. We can see a couple of, uh, of MLK's children, you know, making, de- or Malcolm X's children making decisions that, uh, their fathers would not have made. Um, but this is something that also speaks to and should edify parents in terms of, uh, yeah, I don't think parents should only be parents, but they should definitely have a balance between what God has called them to do to reach the world and actually, uh, being there in their homes with their spouses and their children. Yeah, there, that, there is a balance. That, that article, to sum the article, to sum the article up, I would say that it, this writer Mike Gro- Mike Mike Grohl um, is trying to um, say in so many words that the apple has fallen far from the tree. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to say, but 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 the reasoning that he's using is more uh, rhetoric based than anything else. Yeah. Um, he's saying that. Uh, oh, Billy Graham preached love, and Franklin Graham preaches intolerance, and um, and and zeroing in on the on these um on these uh liberal talking points of homophobia and uh, Islamophobia, and then that's it. Without actually delving into uh, the 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 higher deculturalization that is taking place. Uh, within, within, um, well, within this country, and when you get to this country, that's essentially what's happening. This country, the United States, when you really look at it, it is different than a lot of other. It has a different history than a lot of other, um, than a lot of other places because this country is not formed naturally. Um, right. It, it's, 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 it's forced. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. Like. Forced. You're forcing everybody to live in the same room, and the reason why people come here, the only reason why people come here is to, is to make money. That's it, you know. And well, there's political so and we, religious freedom, but maybe that you know has as its oh, aim the oh, autonomy. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. So um, people could people, people come here. 
people primarily come here to make to make money, and so you don't you don't know what your neighbors are about. Like now, more than ever, you don't know what your neighbors are about. So there's there's all kinds of different there's all kinds of different um uh how do I say this? When you don't know what your neighbors are about, what, what I'm saying is that there's no larger there's no larger ethic in this country. Um, this, this country presents itself as it is it's it is the god of the people. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when you have a particular culture that doesn't look necessarily to a nation um, mm. or yourself as its God, but there's a higher creator that set out particular um, uh, uh, rules, ways to govern, ways to interact. Uh, this country, this country by design fights, um, especially where we are right now, fights against that to get to... to to decultualize and to take all those things away, and so when you when you when you take when you take all those things um, when you take all those things away, all those high order those, that belief system that faith gets you to second guess whether or not it, this is real. Oh, you know we go about science this and science that. Well, just how I feel, do as I want to, do as I will. Yep. Then what it does is it leaves because this country knows how vulnerable and how impressionable humans are, it leaves us open to being told what to do and leaves us open to be even further colonized and further controlled. And so with with which is ultimately what Franklin Graham's trying to get at. Um, you know, I'm not even for nor against. Uh, I'm just like stating what it is that I see. Uh, and I and I feel like this article I feel like this article um, doesn't it, it, I mean it's trying to like it's easy it's easy it's calling Franklin, Franklin Graham is essentially like uh, a bigot more or less you can read some of these comments I saw one comment in here that I was going to try to that I was going to try to get at uh, but I can't really find it but the but the the point is but the point is is that um, you know the scriptures people always like to say oh you know it's all about love it's all about love it's all about love. And it's like, yeah, that's true. At the same time, though, there's also a rod of correction. <laughs> and you can't, like, if, if you yourself, if you yourself can't slay, you know, like, you, you, can't, you can't accept the fact that, like, sometimes the Father tells you no, then, I mean, you know, what, 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 I don't know what scriptures, I don't know what Bible you're reading. Right. Because God doesn't say, Elohim doesn't say, you know, yes all the time for everything in which that's on your heart and that you want to do. Like, you have to control yourself. It's so the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's self-control. It's not just love is love. Oh, I just want to love anything. Like, you have to learn how to, oh, I just want to be what it is that I want to do. Be all you can be. I want to be whatever it is I want to be. Like, like all those Scratch things. Scratch the itch. What is that? Scratch the itch. Scratch the itch. That is, that's the religion of this country. Now, not everybody accepts that, and not everybody has accepted that or believed that or taught that to their children throughout time and memorial. But that is the, that is the religion of this country. Yeah. And so, you know... Um, so that, but that, that sounds like the, the, you know, the seat at the table in which Franklin... Um, 
wants to fight to 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 have. You know, he the impression that that you get from some of his talking points and from some of his moves that he's made not only contrast against what his father did because the the things in which Billy did in the 50s and 60s you know, people forget it's 2018, so we look at that as mild now, but that was revolutionary 50, 60, 70 years ago to have MLK do an invocation when he was perceived as an outcast in the quote unquote Christian community, you know, or to integrate your um, crusade when at a time in the Jim Crow South, you know, black folk couldn't use the same bathrooms or drink at the same water. Like those things at that time were revolutionary. And so let's compare and contrast that to Franklin. So Billy Graham speaks at the Washington National Cathedral right after 9-11, denounces evil, but does not use that platform to denounce Islam. That's revolutionary. Why? Because shortly thereafter, his son, gives a speech in which he immediately calls Islam a religion of hatred and a religion of war. So in just that small microcosm, you see the difference between the approach of the father, lowercase f at this point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the approach of the son. The The approaches are, are different. So where Franklin very easily can get into bed with Jerry Falwell Jr., where his father resisted the the opportunity to join up with Jerry Falwell Sr. Um, and it's it's rather unfortunate because essentially what Franklin does a lot of times is just repeat a lot of the talking head points from right-wing conservatism instead of rising above. Now, now, this is not to paint Billy Graham as perfect because he was not perfect. But I think just as a believer, every chance I get to rise above the fray I'm going to do that, right? I'm going to rise above the fray, you know, when it's to my benefit, I'm going to rise above it, right? And even when it's not, when it's to someone else's benefit, I I want to to rise above it. They even cuz it, it in the article they they do mention a, a lot of liberal talking points and I'm not, you know, as as you said earlier, I'm I'm neither. Um and so th- th- this is not to prop up a liberal agenda. This is to I think for those who call themselves believers to really highlight the the fact that as um as a believer Franklin Graham's call is higher than right-wing conservatism right and i think that's maybe something that his father understood that he might actually be missing you know that his his job may right. be to to meet with Trump yep. pray for Trump but his job is not to go out and parrot Trump's talking points, right? His his call as a believer is not to go out and parrot these talking points on on the media, you know, in, in interviews and in newspapers. That's that's not his call. Um, you know, Frank. One of the things that Franklin Graham did, even when Barack Obama was president, so he he propagated the 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 birther thing that Trump was doing. He even gave interviews stating that Barack Obama, he doesn't believe Barack Obama's a Christian. He might be an undercover Muslim. Those things are not helpful. Like those things are not beneficial. And again, right. this is not about a Democratic or Republican agenda. That's just not helpful. Like, it, it, it just it might just be that Franklin Graham is not as sharp as his father. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that he's stupid. However, you know, this is a you know, you can either be the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail. <laughs> he it seems like it's both with him. He's being influenced, um, and 
you know, he's being influenced by those who are making these other talking points that we were just talking about. And in addition to that, he is making talking points that are influencing other people. So it's really, it, you know, there's, there's so much frenzy going on uh, centering around him and other people who are as influential as him, where folks know, people with more power know, oh, okay, all we, can, all we have to do is sort of direct uh, evangelicalism into a particular area or direction or get some talking points associated yeah. with it and then they'll just parrot those and by parroting them they'll popularize these talking points about the axis of evil and all of this kind of stuff and people the sheeple basically will just repeat that and so you know it just it really Hashtag boxes sheeple. It really boxes evangelicalism and all the followers thereof, especially those who equate Christianity or create uh, equate biblical um, belief with evangelicalism. Um, it puts them in a corner and it has everybody believing a lot of different things that when you compare it with the biblical scripture that they claim that they also believe, there might be some um, somewhat of a demarcation there. So. I think I think just to you know to wrap this piece up, it's it's very you know one of the things I think that that's missing, just as something that needs to be trumpeted in the life of believers is discipleship, and that's why you know I wanted to bring up the piece about you know his wife, and maybe this just may be one of the areas where you got to go to your grave because he's dead now. It's nothing's going to change now, and so for those of you out there, realize how important it is, you know, for you to convey your you know ideals and your morals um, and your standards to the next generation, you know, whether it be your children, whether it be people in your sphere of influence, that these things not just be, you know, blasted in public, but that, you know, because it's really in private that you can do the heavy lifting. The, the heavy lifting is not done in public. The heavy lifting is done in private. And so I would encourage everybody, um, you know, get it in. And just for clarity's sake, um, I, don't, I personally, and I'm sure that my you know, other co-hosts are not saying that Ruth Graham was a bad mother or a oh, bad no, parent no, no. or anything like that. Um, but it does speak to the importance of the people, both people that it took to make uh, a life um, should also be the ones they're raising that same life. Uh, and so having the influence, the masculine and the feminine, you know, it, it, there's a balance there. And of course, the kids a lot of times came to the table with a set of characteristics that they're going to grow up with and, and there are other variables there. Uh, but it's really, really important for, um, for both parents to be involved and for there not to be a, a parent who is um, less involved because of their career with the assumption, if this were, if this was the assumption that, you know, I, I'm about my father's business. This is the, the, these are the terms that were used in the article, not terms that came out of Billy Graham's mouth. But I think that this is, um, something that, that can be spoken to society at large, which is, uh, b behind that closed door of your house, you know, build up your family. If everybody is building up their family, uh, then everything will be fine. So, you know, we, we also, this is like, it's like part two of, of last week's show. So we had a chance to, um, you know, visit Wakanda. We all got a chance to visit Wakanda, right? Figuratively speaking. And um, movie was dope. Um, but one of the underlying 
currents, right, that's kind of out there that people are talking about on Avery's favorite platform, Twitter, um, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, I know, I thought I was going to stop. All right, that's it. Now I'm done. Um, is the lack of LGBTQ, Q, it stops at Q for now. No, it doesn't. But it doesn't? No, there, there are a couple of other letters. Uh, Avery right. could recite that. INA. INA? I told you, yeah. yeah. I know in, in Canada it's LGBTQ2. Yeah, there'll be a P at the end, but that's another conversation. For yeah, but anyway, so there's what there's been a P lot. For, huh? What that P stands for, we'll, we'll get into that in another podcast. Oh, pansexual, <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Mm. Um, no, no, but, no, no, no. It, it, it'll, be, it'll, be multiple, it'll be multiple things the P will stand for. Okay. That. But yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's the umbrella term. Look, look up what that means. But anyway. Um, but there was a um, there was a uh, there's been some murmuring and some complaining right um, by that community by the LGBTQ community that there was a lack of representation in Black Panther for the LGBTQ community now for those of you who do not read comic books to understand where this stems from because you may be like, well, what's the point? Because they didn't have this in Captain America movie. Why are they complaining now? In the recent iteration of the Black Panther, um, there is the a... The comic book. The comic book. The Tenehati Coast. Comic book, yeah. Spearheaded that's, comic book. Yeah. yeah, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The, the one written by Ta-Nehisi. Um, right. They're one of the Dora Milaje, the character that would have been played by Denai Goreri. Yeah, Michonne. Michonne, right. If she will be ever known as Michonne from The Walking Dead. <laughs> Denai, if you're listening, your name is Michonne forever. Um there so her her character in the Tanahasi Coates retelling of the story uh is is lesbian. And her and, and one of the other Dora Milaje are in a relationship, are in a lesbian uh, relationship that was not um, highlighted or really even referenced in the movie, and so you you had some pushback um, from that community. There was an article written in um, shoot, there was, a, there was an article written in Breitbart, but they the Breitbart article. By the way, I was surprised that Breitbart picked this up. Normally, you know, they're all about conservatism and family values, but I was surprised that Breitbart picked this up. Um, but in the Breitbart article, they also referenced an article in Pink News and another article in, shoot, I forget the other the other um, publication that they met, met reference. But there was a couple different articles that were written that, where people were just exclaiming their displeasure in the fact that this lesbian relationship was not highlighted in the movie. Um, now, I, you know, my thoughts and then, you know, I'll definitely throw it out, you know, to you guys to, to hear what what your thoughts are. Um, I was actually fine with the fact that and, and this is where I'll compare um, Ryan Coogler to Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, because a lot of the inspiration, I, you want to call it, for the movie was taken from this recent iteration of Black Panther. Right. The recent book. From Tanahasi Coates. Well, I, I, I would just gonna say that I would say that it was a um, it was it, it, it was probably more of a uh, uh, it just took from the entire pantheon. I well, yeah. Say that. yeah, to include the most uh, updated 
version because that's what people most, you know, uh, probably would be most familiar with. But in particular, the, the Dora Milaje are from the more recent. Well, well, they're from the Christopher, uh, uh, apparently, they are from the Christopher Priest uh, iteration. They were introduced in the late 90s. Although they were not, I, I, I read the entire original Hudman uh, is, uh, issuing, which was about 49 issues, and I cannot recall any reference to the Dora Milaje. Okay. Original his, his, re, re, the, 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 the most recent order of Black Panther authors is Christopher Priest in the late 90s throughout the early 2000s. Then there was a break. Then there was Reginald Hudlin in the mid-2000s all the way up until about 2010 or so, 2011. Uh, then there was a break. And then there's Tanahasi Coates, which was like 2015. So okay. it got canceled. Like, I, think, I, think, I think it got canceled at the end of last year. It was canceled right now. And so there, there was a hashtag um, started saying, let Ayo have a girlfriend um, mm-hmm. using yeah, terms. Ayo. Yeah, Ayo. Sorry, not Ayo. Ayo. Um, have a girlfriend um, and hashtag things like lesbian erasure and things like that. Yeah, now, yeah. you know, I, like I said, I can appreciate um, and this, you know, this lends itself to a, a deeper discussion. And, you know, we may or may not have the time for it on here. Um, that Ryan Cooler actually resisted to insert this particular piece, and I'll tell you why. You know, my in my opinion, you know, I'm not an expert. Unless you know me, then I am an expert. <laughs> um, is that I think for two reasons. One, um, particularly, you know, when African Americans do things, it's it's almost expected that there's going to be some kind of LG. Like it's 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 like a like a given. Oh yeah, we gonna be in there, in right? In contemporary yeah, time. In contemporary culture, yes. Um, it's almost a given, like, oh yeah, you know, we're we're gonna be in there, right? And so that it wasn't in there, all of a sudden people are like, Well, what's going on? Why is it not in there? And secondly, I think that if it was put in there, I think it would have been all about that and not about the black like the the effect that it's having culturally for African culture. That would have been I think that would have been taken away because then Dominant culture, because dominant culture sees itself in LGBTQ, two, three, whatever the other acronyms are, it sees itself in that. I think more emphasis would have been put on that as opposed to what they were the story that they were trying to tell but of some, this African king. Yet some people will say that well, you can do both, and you know, you can have all of the many things that Ryan Coogler was trying to do in terms of having dark-skinned women who tend to be underrepresented, and in terms of showing the parallels from his perspective between uh, the diaspora um, and uh, Killmonger, and then uh, and then Wakanda with respect to the. Uh, African perspective and then uh, all the things he was trying to do with Compton being involved. I'm sorry, not Compton with, um, uh, West Side? With, no, no, <laughs> no, specifically with, um, Oakland. Thank Oakland. you. Being involved. Uh, and all of the many, many, many intricacies. Some people would say, well, he could have had all of those intricacies, many of which haven't even been, uh, discussed. Um, because he's, you know, we're still talking about, a lot of the many things that can be um, pulled out from that show or from that movie and brought in the the LGBTQ piece as well. But, you know, I personally would, would tend to disagree. I think that that I can understand why his focus 
was more on some of the more intricate sort of family business, you know, well, exactly. you know, black diaspora type of issues, which have been unexplored uh, even visually and in terms of culture and in terms of heritage on the big screen. Um, I, I could see why his focus uh, was on staying true to the to the comic or to one of the iterations of the comic or several, as well as bringing in that cultural piece and not so much on LGBTQ. So, you know, it's it's really an interesting uh, step because I think just as you seem to be alluding to, AJ, that if the LGBTQ part were included in there, then I think um, a lot of the other elements that Ryan Coogler was trying to explore in this film would have been lost. And I think to, and by the way, the other publication that the Breitbart article made reference to was called The Advocate. It's an LGBTQ magazine or yeah, magazine. Um, And they also criticized the movie for the lack of representation. Now, the only reason I would brush that off, the the pushback that you say that people would could say, oh, they can do both. And the reason I would not agree with that, and this is something that I appreciate Avery sent me some information this week because it had always kind of sat you know, I was kind of always uneasy with the way in which the NBA handled two things. The way in which they handled all of the black dudes being shot by cops, right? And then the compare and contrast that with the way in which they handled the bathroom law in North Carolina. Um, when LeBron and a lot of those guys were wearing I can't breathe shirts and all of that, the NBA was kind of like, okay, it's cool. And they, I remember when Cap started kneeling at the NFL, They were just like, let's just go ahead and get this straight. Nobody kneels in the NBA. Like, they nipped that in the bud immediately. And, but then North Carolina passes the bathroom law. And the NBA takes the all-star game out of Charlotte, North Carolina. I think out of the state of North Carolina. They took it out of the state, yeah. Because that year, it was 2016, the all-star game was supposed to be played in Charlotte. The NBA moved the entire All-Star game. Are y'all hearing me here? So that's why I would say that no, both couldn't be done. If LGBTQ was in this movie, the emphasis would have been about that and not about the story in which I believe Ryan well, Coogler was trying to tell. You can say, uh, <clears throat> so, 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 uh, with LGBTQ, look, it's all pansexuality. So all that stuff is, uh, Anything outside of uh, sexual normal, sexual normalcy, traditional and genealogical, physiological sexual normalcy, the man and the woman, that's how you produce offspring. There's no other way to do it. <laughs> you can't uh, go to the bank? You can't go to the sperm bank? That's, that's Oh, okay. Any kind of sexual <laughs> expression outside of that, you can you can pretty much throw that into... And sexuality. I knew you were going to bring that pee back some kind of way. <laughs> but that is, 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 is so so pansexuality or omnisexuality is a sexual. This, this is um <clears throat> this is uh, Wikipedia, which I don't recommend people reading, but uh, I, re- I recommend people going to an actual actual source. But for the <laughs> for the sake of brevity, I'm hitting Wikipedia yeah. uh, to get through this. But pansexuality or omnisexuality. Is, Sexuality is a sexual, romantic, or emotional attraction towards people regardless of their sex or gender identity. Transsexual people may refer to themselves as gender blind, asserting that gender and sex are not determining factors in their romantic or sexual attraction to others. So, 
pansexuality for the sake of the conversation. You can throw all of that stuff in there, even though people will argue that it is something different. But what that is, pansexuality ultimately is like, look, I just like anything. That's really what pansexuality <laughs> is. Like, I, I, like I don't everybody. care. I got no, I got no guidelines. I got no, look, I just like, you know, whatever. And, uh, and over the course of my so, life, that can change and it's fluid, basically. Yeah, but there's also, there's a lot, there's, there's, there's a lot that goes in there. There's a lot that goes in there. The whole LGBTQI, whatever, like those are just little rooms in the house, so to speak. Right, but, right. But, and there are other rooms that I don't want to go into right now. <laughs> but, but. It's another you know, B. You can... <laughs> no, there are other rooms that start with P. Um, and, and B as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but, uh. But anyway, I wanted to I wanted to just uh, illustrate uh, or, or highlight highlight something about you know this, the, the the woke wokeness uh, of what the Black Panther the, the the woke the woke trend that the Black Panther is riding on and the whole Black Lives Matter uh, association. And I just wanted to be clear that um, uh, 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 that it should be expected that people um people in the uh, uh uh people in the pansexual the, the the pansexual community um would say something when it has anything to do with uh things that relate to uh, what we call blackness and black stuff. Uh, I wanna I wanna I wanna reference the Black Lives Matter website here. Um, because a lot of people don't really understand that this Black Lives Matter movement was actually founded by uh so they say queer women, and I just want to highlight the fact that queer means strange. Let's not forget that. Avery, um, Avery, I just I want you to to continue what you're saying, but I can see a listener saying, "Why are we talking about Black Lives Matter when we were talking about Black Panther?" So, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, um, black, well, because um, black, why? Well, I don't know why anybody would be asking that. Uh, but to be clear that um this movie this movie is taking um uh how do i say this um in order for any movie many movies many movies try to tap into what's called the zeitgeist the zeitgeist means the corporate mind for the most part so what's popular what's trending what are people talking about and thinking about in mass right now because if i can make a movie that um, caters to a majority of what people are already talking about, well, then that means that by, that means that I am more likely to make my money back on the movie. So we've had all of these uh, Black Lives Matter, um, this Black Lives Matter rallies that, that happened ever since the whole Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman thing that happened back in 2000. 13 or 2012, whenever that was, up until uh, today. And it's only gotten uh, louder. It's only gotten um, more fragmented. It's only gotten um, more abrasive. And so outcomes, you know, that, that, that's, the perfect, that's the perfect bed to, for, for uh, Disney to roll out and to take advantage of that um, by, by rolling out one of their characters called the Black Panther. Therefore, we have this movie, The Black Panther. Now there are, there are many references um, to to uh, to Black Lives Matter um, 
things things in which that are re- uh, relevant and um, that 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 come from the whole Black Lives Matter um, uh, uh, movement. A lot of talking points, uh, a lot of uh, tropes. I mean, just to bring up Tanahasi Coates, all right. I mean, he's a Tanahasi Coates, uh, really, really, really big voice um, right now. That the Black Lives Matter movement tends to reference a lot. Again, he wrote the Black Panther. He wrote the latest iteration of Black Panther. Okay. Even the term Black Panther and the Black Panther movement, a lot of that stuff is is constantly being recycled. So, you know, this this movie is is pretty much riding uh, all of that. So, yeah, I mean, I can understand the question. I, w- I was just saying, you know, the same standard. You know, some some I can see the question coming up saying, okay, we understand the standard um, of the Black Lives Matter movement is, you know, to to really uh, in terms of op- oppressed people groups, whether it's you know through se- sexual identity or or uh, ethnic identity, we're going to you know specifically um, talk about the importance of uh, equality concerning okay, the LGBT. So, okay, but yeah, does sure. the Black Panther ever declare that? I'm sorry, what? Well, does the does Black Panther as a film or even you know as as a comic book your, series your ever declare off. that? Your premise is off. Your premise is off. Well, that's I think the premise of the question of of people saying asking about LGBT with uh, with Black Panther is off. If they're comparing it to what Black Lives Matter has declared, they are going to represent. I'm, I I think personally, Ryan Coogler has made the statement he's not going to do that. That's that's what I think because I mean if if it's been said that there were some scenes that were, you know, and and, and there was some script to initially allude to it that were then cut out of the final take, that speaks directly to his directorial control, right? Where the screenwriters may have put some in there, right? It it may have been alluded to, but then ultimately, you know, taking liberty as, as a director to say, no, I'm not going to have that in my movie, um, Despite the fact that, you know, the, listen, the Marvel is owned by Disney. So the execs could have very well, you know, could have very well said, no, you're going to have this. So, you know, kind of pushed it, pushed it on him, um, which they didn't. Again, I was surprised. But the fact that he even made the call again, this this speaks to. And again, we can use this as a as a way to compare and contrast Ryan with ta is that Ryan made the decision to not do that. Knowing that, right. so, all right. So, the 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 sound the sound that is referenced says that it's there. Um, you're trying to say, okay, well, you're you're just on this this uh, representation of the story. First of all, like if you need people, if if you need two women to kiss on screen for you to see lesbianism in this movie, then um, I mean, there's a, there's there's, there's, there's a little bit more of analysis, a lot more analysis uh, that that you probably need to take because I mean you can look at the Dora Milaje and you can see the uh, the clear promotion of masculine energy and um, uh, of the female in this movie and pretty quickly gather that um, there is a promotion um, of butchness, all right, and um, and and stud culture. Um, it's, it's right there in, in your face. And so um, I don't necessarily think that just because you don't see two of the Dora Milaje flirting with each other that it's not there. So um, 
So I, I, I just wanted to be clear about that. I don't know. I, 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 there, there isn't much sexuality promoted in this movie mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. So, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily take away uh, from your point that that is probably another highlight to you, uh, Amadi, that there is no reference of any kind of sexual expression really uh, in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, but think about it. Hey, that's why. And I mean, I know we're we're, we're going to get into this, you know, in a future podcast for those listening. We do intend on delving into this very deeply. But this is where I always push back that LGBTQ in general is is a uh, is a like a you can almost like refer to it in the same breath as African-American or Mexican or any, any other culture because without the explicit sexual act, there's no way to denote it, right? Because that's, that's where the pushback is because to Avery's point, there are the, the Dora Milaje are very masculine women, right? And so that, that butchness about them can be clearly seen, right? But if that's the case, why are LGBTQ people still pushing back? Because they want to see the physical interaction of people kissing, touching, rubbing. Without that, it's not explicit. See, without that, these are just very masculine, strong, even, aggressive women. That's really interesting. I don't even see them as masculine. And <laughs> neither did I. I just to saw me, them as women. But I could exactly. see it, like, based on Avery's point, I could see somebody saying that, right? But still, but even with all of that, you still have all of these LGBTQ publications pushing back. Why? Because no women are kissing. No so, women are groping so, each other so, or whatever. But, but I want to... Uh, this, this gets on to the to the to the word the word that uh, Eva had brought up this term equality uh, and equating uh, all sexual expression as equal, which they're not. Uh, the the there was a reference to um, to the uh, family structure in there, right? And they had Okoye or Michonne. There you go. Y'all get her wrong. Get, Y'all are get, wrong. Her, get her name right. When she had beamed in on a little the little bead and she was talking to dude from Get Out and and uh T'Challa, she she said, Hello my king and hello my love. Right. And so I was actually very happy that I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so to that I can see why uh someone someone would be uh Someone of that of that uh, who advocated for um, strangeness or queerness uh, to 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 be upset because they might feel like that was not true to the source material of Tanahasi Coke. Right. But what I would say um, to that is that you may have you I I, I can see that except for the fact that um, I go to the overall point of. That's not that 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 is that is not equal. That that is strange and it's aptly labeled and it shouldn't be there. You see what I'm saying? Oh no, and I so, I agree. And so and so I was actually happy that whoever made that call this time around, um, you know, did not did cho- chose to leave that on the cutting room floor. Who so, did who did Kugler who did Kugler model this after the hut? You know, was it af- was it specifically? supposed to be modeled after what Coates wrote or Hudlin wrote. I know there's so many iterations uh, for several decades. Um, so, well, t- yeah, so typically, 
typically, typically they tend to they 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 can they can they can allude or lean on one kind of. It depends on the character. Mm-hmm. Like they'll take a character from you know one era and mix it with another character from another era. Okay. So and so and and then that and that that's how they end up telling their telling their stories. So, this is probably an uh, amalgamation of all of the different iterations. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, whatever whatever they can use to tell a story. So, yeah. like, for, for, for example, this T'Challa, I find that this T'Challa was a bit, was more like the Tenehasi Coat T'Challa from the bit that I've read and less like the Reginald Hudlin T'Challa. Mm. Because this T'Challa was very, um, this T'Challa was very, uh, on, he was he was very um level headed. I I wouldn't even say level headed. I think that he kind of second guessed himself a lot. Mm. Um, and he needed people to tell him what to do. Uh, he was led a lot by the women in the story to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas in in the Reginald Hudlin, the dude the dude didn't need any of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he was brilliant. He was like he was a, he was he was like Tony Stark. But mm. how how much know? how much uh, power did Reginald give to the women? Because you well, said you read that whole series, right? I did, I did. Well, Reginald Hudlin was the one that introduced the whole marriage between Black Panther and Storm. Ah, uh, so Storm. It was a lot of references <laughs> to. Uh, so we getting real comic book heavy on for for, for those of you who don't man, read comic banging. books. We yeah, get, no, I mean, there, there was references and stuff, you know. I'm just I mean, saying, Storm, you gotta see, you gotta tell people. No, well, yeah, but she's one of the X Men. Yeah, but if 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 this yeah, is the if this film is the first thing that people saw, then they're like, oh, well, T'Challa and Nakia, boom. You oh know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. I see what you're saying. No, yeah, I mean, but, I yeah. and and I assume it was Ryan Coogler who made the call. I mean, I'm just assuming because he's the director, yeah, well, but well, it it could have been somebody fair, else. Yeah, and it could have been somebody else. But and I'm glad you brought that up. But to be to 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 be fair, we you know, this is we talking we talking Hollywood here, we're talking Disney, we talking, you know, like we know how they get down. Right. Um and and, and remember also that um the what we reference as the black community is the petri dish is the petri dish um of all cultural experiments in this country. And so if they were to show any of that it would be in a movie. <laughs> right, exactly. So so I would not be surprised um, if, you know, they're trying to figure out how they want to introduce something like that on the screen, maybe through a Netflix show, you know, like just to figure out and see how, how it works. But I wouldn't be surprised if they got that slated some, somewhere. Now, do y'all uh, think, because you know they've already started talking about a sequel, um, do well, you yeah, think they would bring that out in the sequel? Well, um, so they bring like every every one of these people have sequels except for Doctor Strange. Um, <laughs> I can't really I can't really think of one. I mean, Ant Man's got a doggone sequel, so they they they're going to do uh, a sequel to this, of course. Uh, will they bring that out? As I said, as as I said, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Um, uh, I would not be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily like that. Um, it is very frustrating. These are uh, supposed to be, for the most part, uh, kids' movies. I hate I hate the fact that they do that, but it is Disney, and Disney does introduce these themes uh, in their TV shows. Right. Um, 
So I would not, I would not be, you know, would not be, would not be surprised. Now I'm a, I'm a mention one last point here before we transition, and this is, you know, I think it's directly related. Um, I can recall the last year of Obama's presidency when he made a trip to Africa and he toured a bunch of different African countries. And I don't think if, I mean, listen, if Disney, (laughs) besides Wakanda, right? He he didn't go to Zamunda (laughs) or Wakanda. By the way, you know, you, I just want to say, you know, if you told, if you told, if you told people, there's going to be a certain percentage of people. I don't know how many, but there's going to be a certain percentage of people that think it's a real place. I know. I knew you was gonna say that. If you, if we took a camera right now, on you said, yeah. So what's about the U.S. foreign policy in Wakanda? I, I, you're, you're, you're exactly right. As a matter of fact, I Always guarantee you, somebody. if we searched on YouTube, this probably already won. But I remember um, Obama's last year, his presidency, he did a tour of Africa, and he was. Um, Visiting some different African countries. And the reason, I don't even think that this is realistic, right? This LGBT thing, Q thing in Wakanda would be realistic because Obama got so much pushback for that. Do you remember? I can remember specifically the press conference he did with the president of Uganda. Africa does not play when it comes to what's considered, what used to be considered alternative lifestyles. Yeah. To a fault, there's been violence and still is violence. I mean, even that's why this is so unrealistic to introduce it in any movie but the Black Panther. Yeah. Like, if of all the other Marvel movies, this probably would be the least likely one where this would be front and center because he's an African king. So, yeah, because of Africa's resistance publicly to these alternative lifestyles, put him in his cultural context. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that I just want to throw that out there for people who don't realize. Go back and just go to YouTube. I guess it's probably on the internet somewhere. Some of those press conferences Obama did when you know, listen, that's one of to me honestly, that's one of Obama's faults. He was really aggressive in pushing this agenda, um, and he got a lot of pushback from a lot of African countries. Um, a lot of their presidents and prime ministers were not uh, feeling uh, Mr. Obama as it pertains to these alternative lifestyles. But we were super, super deep with that. So let's add some levity. So if you want to get a laugh, we're going to put this on our Facebook page and our Twitter handle. Um, Our friends up the street. This is our This Week in the News, folks. We haven't Uh, had one of these. (laughs) We haven't had one of these in in quite a while. But this one, um, it was just too hard to, to resist. So I was sent a photo. I was sent a photo. Well, not a photo, like a drawing, a picture, whatever, Photoshop, whatever, um, of Jamal Bryant. So Jamal Bryant has a new sermon series or whatever. Namely, Jamal Harrison Bryant, about? the pastor of the Empowerment Temple, a church, in, in Baltimore. Uh, uh, African Methodist Episcopal affiliated church, because mm-hmm. his father is a bishop, located in Baltimore, Maryland. That Jamal Harrison Bryant. <laughs> she Proceed. Had to, had to give all his uh, qualifications. This is the same Jamal Bryant who got punked by that dude in the street when he was trying to, uh, uh, I forget the dude's name. And dude was like, man, don't be coming around here no more. So, yeah, there's a follow video they had made up. Oh, of course, of course, they always got to make up. Um, it was probably a viral video, you know, like staged. But anyway, it probably was staged. But so I got sent this picture. Um, Jamal Bryant is sitting on the on T'Challa's throne, wearing the Black Panther costume, and the the sermon series is going to be entitled "The Gospel from Wakanda" or "Gospel of Wakanda," something like that. Don't- and the the tagline is building a black nation from the Bible. 
Now, there's so many things wrong with it, but we're going to keep it light. Let's, S-I-G-H. S-I-G-H. But, you know, because this week in the news is is all about. And listen, I understand these guys got to come up with gimmicks because, I mean, a, a, a lot of what is modern church is based in consumerism. So I, I understand to a certain degree you have to make up gimmicks to keep people coming. You know what? They won't even say it's gimmicks. They will say, okay, we're looking at the New Testament and the Apostle Paul and his Paul response to the people <laughs> in or on Mars Hill in which he actually made a parallel between the contemporary culture uh, that they could understand and the gospel. So you have the gospel over here. You have this contemporary environment that those people live within. He referred to their, their artists and their writers and their poets. And, and then he made a parallel in order to help people to understand the gospel of the Savior uh, in light of the fact that they live in a particular context. So what these pastors are saying, and Jamal Bryant is not the only one. I've seen this all over Oh, social media with people flipping and, and doing everything they can with respect to Wakanda and the Black Panther and turning it into a sermon series. They really believe that they're doing what the Bible is instructing. Now, if they coming in with vibranium, you know, I may have to join them. I, I'm trying to get down with that bulletproof suit he had on. So any, you guys will, will see this on our Facebook page and it, it'll be on our Twitter handle and I'll probably put it on IG. Um, I think it's just, you know, when I... When the person sent it to me, I was just kind of like, "This is silliness." Like this dude, you know, it's just silliness. I mean, I like I couldn't even give it a a, a really you know serious critique. It was just kind of like, you know, this is silliness. But it's again, I think it's based in consumerism. So, you know, Avery, I know you Avery's gonna make. Culture. Huh? You don't have a culture. That's why. That's why things like that can happen. Who's we? America or black folk? No, I say you. <laughs> oh, jeez. You, people of, yeah. People, I mean, you have a culture um, because uh, you identify with the, with the, with the culture of um, the father and of the son as outlined in the Bible. Uh, but when it comes to those who we refer to as black folks and um, black people within this country, they do not have a culture. So you can pretty much tell them anything. As long as it has something to do with the color of their skin, then they'll take it. So that's why you can come in and do something like Wakanda, which is a hodgepodge, which is a um, hodgepodge of soup of, um, of a whole bunch of different kinds of um, uh, ethnicities all thrown in. Um, and... Uh, say Wakanda and then people just jump to it just because it's black. You, I mean, you got people you got people showing up to the Black Panther premiere just as Akeem wearing a McDonald's, McDonald's outfit. Talking about, you know why I'm here. No, I don't. Well, I'm here to see the Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why you're here. You're here to serve me a Big Mac? What, what are you here to do? <laughs> Big Mac. No, it's like... It's, <laughs> well, I'm happy to say my guard was consistent. But anyway... This, this statement, okay. So this statement of um, Big you know who you who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for anybody black. Like understand that when we say we're black, what we're doing is that's not self definition, right? Like you're defining yourself based on what a ruler calls you to divide and rule you, right? So you can't have black without white. Like I'm I. So, so, so what, I, what I'm trying to get at is you can get away with all this kind of stuff, right? 
with whether it's Jamal Bryant or whether it's whoever. You can get away with this stuff because um, the group of people in which they're targeting have no self-identification. They don't know who they are. So you can just pretty much, again, like I said, tell them anything. That's interesting. And to them anything. One of the other pastors... That, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the other pastors that I saw is black. It says black on it, and they're poor. Well, that, huh? but that's the interesting thing, though, because at one of the other pastors, again, this is this is becoming a trend over the past week in terms of people's ser- quote unquote sermon series, which we have to determine if that's biblical as well. But anyway, um, the most the, one of the more recent is a sermon ones, series biblical. Yeah, like a sermon series <laughs> surrounding a movie. Okay, don't don't. Here is our series, and then advertising it so more people will come into a church building. But anyway, so but, Disney. So, so when you look at it, that means that Disney, Disney set the sentences. Most assuredly. The most recent person, let me just tell you how, how ridiculous this has gotten. You know, this is what I'm about to talk about is simply physiological. Uh, There's this fat faced pastor, you know, I know. Big boned face. Big boned. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you, are you, are you body shaming? <laughs> then I will shame my own body, what but happens, let me tell you about consistency. Equality. I'm well. Look, I'm talking about cons. I'm just talking about purely physical consistency. Yeah, I, mean, I see be, one pastor. One pa- one pastor superimposed his round face on onto T'Challa. So you have that face, but then you have the chiseled. <laughs> But then you have the chiseled, the chiseled body, body of T'Challa. Of T'Challa. Wow. T'Challa. Talking about, okay, our next sermon series is on Black Panther in Wakanda and how the body of Christ. What? Now here's, and you know, I know we're, you know, we're making jokes and, and being funny, but the, the unfortunate part, and I went back to look at the picture really quick. The unfortunate part is he says that the sermon series will go from now through Easter. So we're going Uh-oh. to Here we're, we go. <laughs> we're going to literally use a comic book character as like the launching point um for a sermon in and around the resurrection of our Lord. Like that's not enough. Like you know, Wakanda's cool and everything. Like T'Challa's all right. Well, actually considering the historic origins of Easter, I think that's actually quite appropriate. Oh, Ishtar, yeah. Ding 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 ding. Tell her what she's won, Johnny. Right. <laughs> what is this? What, what, what are you talking about, Eva? I'm, I'm just talking about. You talking about Ishtar and the 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 fertility god? Yes, we y'all about to take us way y'all about to take us way off into the deep end. I'm not trying to go to eight feet today. I'm not trying to go to eight feet. We want to stay here. Yeah, we 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 we, we want to keep it to Wakanda, but but I I just thought that it was for a day. Regardless of what the the you know where it comes from the the pagan origins origins of it, believers today use that as a day to reflect upon the resurrection of our risen Savior, True. and it's like I don't I'm you know again I I it's based in consumerism, so the resurrection of our Lord is not enough to get you to come to a Christian meeting. So I have to try to throw these gimmicks in to try to you know yeah. get breadcrumbs all the way to Easter. And, you know, get get bodies and seats. Yeah, breadcrumbs to Easter. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's a that's a, it's a case study on what not to do. So, but you know, shout out to T'Challa. Y'all can sponsor us so anytime. Are you gonna, you gonna, you gonna... So you're gonna post the info so that everybody knows. You're gonna post the image with your face superimposed on the Black Panther's body on Twitter and Instagram. Nah, nah, bro. It, <laughs> it's, you, right? Nah, it's 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 not gonna be my face. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> so, but anyway, we we appreciate y'all for rocking with us. Um, and you know, as we rehashed these uh 
topics. I thought it was a good thought. Thought it was definitely good to kind of delve in a little bit deeper. So. Never put your face superimposed on the Black Panther's body. That's that's what you don't do. But what you can do, like what we always do, is keep God in the mix. So for Avery and Eve, this is AJ saying thank y'all again. Till next time. Peace. Peace. Let's get started. I won't cheat you. Let me set apart who is my people. The ones who set in their heart to be believers. Press on to the mark to follow Jesus. When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders. Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten. Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving. Don't follow their feelings that are beaten.